You'll see it up here behind me. It's simply this. What being ready means for right now. What being ready means for right now. Most likely, many of us are probably not thinking about a trip right now. But with spring break coming up this next week, maybe there were some who were planning on a trip. And uh, you were going to take a trip, go somewhere, uh, whatever the case may be. And there might be some who are still going. Uh, gas prices would help with a road trip. Amen. Uh, right now, that would be beneficial. You couldn't stay anywhere or visit anywhere. But it, <laughs> you could go on a road trip and be cheap gas-wise at least. But um, think in terms of the idea uh, of taking a trip. Maybe you're going to another state. Maybe you're going to a country. Or maybe it's just a trip to the grocery store. Or maybe it's even getting ready to come to church. And uh, I do know this, regardless of what kind of trip it is, there is time and effort that is needed to be invested in getting ready. It requires time and effort on my part, on your part. When we're getting ready for a trip, we've got to be ready, and that takes time, effort, energy to get ready. Um, I, with a family of six children, my wife and I um, put in a lot of time. We sound the alarm, as I like to put it, for departure at different times. Sunday morning is one of those great mornings, and uh, school mornings and things like that, uh, uh, that's a good respite right now, uh, and a break. Uh, but getting ready for church, boy, there, there's a time we're all sounding the different alarms. We're trying to get the kids moving and going. Um, Even this morning, I heard my wife many, many, many minutes before it was time for us to leave saying this, it's time to get up. Everybody needs to get up. Get out of bed, roll it out of there, get ready, let's go. And, and okay, make sure you brush your teeth, make sure you grab your Bibles, make sure you grab your instruments, make sure we have Ryan's blankie. Do we have enough diapers? And boy, the list can go on and on. Hey, we're trying to get ready. We're trying, boy, lots of time. Make sure you eat the breakfast. Does someone put away the breakfast foods? Does someone do this? Is the car started? Is everybody out? Have we forgotten any kids? Those are all good questions and getting ready to ask, you know, to make sure that we're ready and prepared and we're both sounding the alarm trying to get everything together. And for me, it's often things like, where did I put my keys? Uh, Did we put the milk away? Five minutes till we leave. If you're not ready to go, we'll leave without you. All those announcements were saying, hey, let's get ready. So what does that mean? for us right now in what we're going through. That's a lot of rigmarole. And many of you people may be watching or even here, you go through it every time you go on a trip. And again, it could even just go in the grocery store or church. But getting ready is super important. And it takes time and investment. It takes effort. It takes energy for you and I to say, okay, we're going to get ready. Especially as you see the day of departure approaching. As it gets closer, it's time, okay, I've really got to make sure I have everything, make sure I'm ready. I've done the things to prepare for some of us if we're leaving our house, we're making sure we turn this off, taking care of this, stop the mail, whatever the case may be. We're going through that and saying, okay, am I totally ready? And the most important question or aspect about getting ready is this question, how do I get ready? How do I make sure that I am prepared, that, that I have everything I need, that I, one of my, one of the things I hate, whether it goes on any kind of family trip, a missions trip, or something like that, is to get to the airport or get down the road and realize you forgot something. Isn't that the worst? Okay, especially if it's a kid. No, just kidding. We haven't done that. that. Uh, a child, not a goat. But anyway, uh, um, hey, that's like the words. Hey, I've forgotten something. We've forgotten something. We've left something behind. I know I need and, and so forth. So what is it? What is being ready right now for you and I, especially as believers, but as anybody, what does being ready right now really look like? When I think of this thought of getting ready, when I consider, okay, what, what does it mean to be ready? How do I be ready Uh, My mind often goes back to this Old Testament story in Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. I'd love for you to turn with me there. Look there. We're joining the Israelites, and this is just during an exciting time in their lives. You may not think you and I are going through exciting times and maybe horrific times, but in some sense, they are exciting. We're facing a lot of unknown, a lot of things that we aren't certain about. Uh, The future is unknown in many ways. For the uh, Israelites, it was that way. They had just left Egypt. They had just gone through the miraculous means of going through the Red Sea. Now, God in heaven is providing for them them wonderfully taking care of them and so we come here to exodus chapter 19 and they find themselves now preparing and i want you to catch this because this will be an emphasis throughout this they're preparing to meet with god they're preparing to meet with god 
Look at verse number four, if you will, with me, because this kind of gives us some context uh, of what they've gone through. He says this, God is speaking through Moses and to Moses, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians. Oh yeah, they saw that. They stood on the shore of the Red Sea and they saw what happened to those Egyptians and their chariots and Pharaoh. They saw it. Boy, God's hand was at work. Notice this next statement, and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. And isn't that a great statement? God's looking at Israel through, and Moses says, listen, Moses, don't worry. I've been in control, and I am in control. I've been in control. I handled the Egyptians. I handled the Red Sea, and I, I bore you up on eagle's wings. It's a great statement of truth. It's a great statement of promise for God's people. May I encourage you this morning, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you've put your faith and trust in Him, and you're part of the family of God through faith, God is bearing you up on eagle's wings right now. He is lifting you up. He is supporting you. He is encouraging you. Uh, he is, uh, as even we think about it, carrying us. He's protecting us. He's preserving us. You might say, well, Pastor Henry, boy, what we're going through right now, some things that we have faced as a family, I have faced individually, I sure don't feel like I'm being lifted up on eagle's wings. Well, well let's make an application from nature. Here's the reality. Don't ever forget that the eagles fly in the valleys just like they do the mountaintops. Don't ever forget that. You see, we sometimes say, oh yeah, God's lifting me up. I'm on top of the mountaintop. Everything's going wonderfully well. I can assure you that God is in the valleys as much as he's on the mountaintops. And he's lifting you up and bearing you up on eagle's wings in the valleys as much as he is on the mountaintops. Maybe in different ways and maybe in ways we don't realize. But our God is sustaining us. He is preserving us. He is protecting us. And what is the outcome of that? The peace of God. Peace of God ruling in our hearts if we so choose to allow it to do so. You may be in a valley right now, but you can be assured that God is bearing you, friend, on eagle's wings. Why? How do we know that? Because our God is a faithful God. He is a faithful God. He showed that to Israel. And so God continues by telling Moses that he's going to meet with the people. And this is exciting. God's brought them out of Egypt. He's spoken through Moses and Aaron at times. And now he speaks to Moses. He says, I'm going to meet with the people here at Mount Sinai. Literally, they were going to be in his presence. Look with me at verse number 9 of Exodus chapter 19. Look at verse number 9. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people uh, unto the Lord. And that's referring back up to verse number 8. They said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. Verse 10, and the Lord said unto Moses, go unto thy people and sanctify them today. And tomorrow let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people unto Mount Sinai. And what a great statement. He is saying through Moses, hey, be ready. I'm coming down to meet with the people. May I just encourage you, Christian, the day is coming where Jesus Christ is coming down. The day is coming where Jesus Christ is going to return in the rapture, an imminent, it happened at any moment, rapture of Jesus Christ where he's coming down. And the encouragement, as you'll see throughout this entire message, is this, be ready. Be ready. I've had more comments and more questions about the end times probably the last two or three weeks than I've had in a long time. A lot of more discussions, even myself initiating them. Reality is, it is a great time to focus on being ready. And what does it mean right now to be ready to meet with God? You'll notice verse 11 says, uh, be ready. Verse number 15, he reiterates and says, hey, tell the people, be ready. Be ready. What were they to be ready for? Don't miss it. Here's the key. They were to prepare to come into the very presence of God. May I ask you this morning, Christian, every believer, are you ready to come into the very presence of God? This put fear in the people. This got their attention as Moses said, listen, God's going to come down on Mount Sinai. He's going to reveal himself. He's going to make himself uh, exposed in a sense to them. You're going to see God. You have better get ready. Sanctify, wash your clothes, set yourself apart, be ready. And man, fear kind of went through the camp. How do you feel this morning, Christian, that any moment the shout and the trumpet will be heard and you'll be in the very presence of your God. 
And there's a good question to ask today. You're listening via live stream. You're here this morning. Is he your God? Are you prepared to be in the presence of the almighty God? And can you say he is my God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ? As we consider here, here, uh, the next prophetical event on God's calendar, and, and forgive me, it is not to minimize, it is not to undo uh, the majesty of God, but the next prophetical event on God's calendar in His throne room, it's circled, and it's called the rapture. It's called Jesus Christ's return to earth and the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who is coming to get us the bride. The believers. First Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul wrote about it. He says this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Verse 17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, notice it, to meet the Lord in the air. And I love this, the comforting part of this. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You ever left a place and you're saying, man, I hope I never have to go back there. Doctors, dentists, okay, anyway. I don't want to ever go back there. You know the day's coming when you and I will leave earth and I don't want to ever come back here till God makes it anew. I don't want to ever be here again. I don't want to come back to this place. I'm glad that verse says, shows shall we ever be with the Lord. Here we are today. Don't miss it. So why are we in Exodus 19? Because this passage parallels where you and I are today. God, through Moses, is telling Israel, be ready. You're going to enter into the presence of Almighty God. Be ready. Be ready for it. Be prepared. And now today, you and I, throughout the Scriptures, we are told what? Be ready. You're about to enter the presence of the Almighty God. Whether you are a Christian who is going to be raptured up and in the very presence of the Lord, my friend, the Bible tells us, as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Every person is going to stand before Almighty God. You will be in the presence of God, whether He is your God or whether He is not. You have rejected Him as your God. We will all be in His presence. And so we must be prepared. You see, there's a great warning in this passage that must be heeded. And boy, friends watching via live stream and those here, would you heed the warning this morning? Look at verse number 12, if you will, with me. Verse number 12, notice what it says. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. Now jump down to verse 22, if you will. Notice the words in verse 12. He says, I'm going to set bounds. You need a, there's a parameter. There is a, a blockade. There is a, a gulf that needs to be fixed. Set bounds. Look down at verse 22. And let the priest also, which come near to the Lord, sanctify themselves. Why do they need to do that? Let the Lord break forth upon them. That's a, that's a strong threat. Verse 23. And Moses said unto the Lord, the people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, set bounds about the mountain, and notice the next two words, and sanctify it. See, the actual presence of God there on Mount Sinai was a, don't miss it, a sanctified place. It was set apart as a holy place, as free from the defilement of sinners. And here's the reason the Jews, the sinners couldn't touch it. They couldn't get close to God. Even Moses and the priests had to sanctify themselves, get, uh, be cleansed before they went into the presence of God. And the Jews, the Israelites, even before they approached the mountain, they had to cleanse and wash themselves. We read that in verse 10. But I'd have you to, uh, to understand this as we think about these, these priests. They needed to be cleansed, sanctified before they could, what's the statement? Come near to the Lord. Don't miss it. They needed to be sanctified before they came near to God. But isn't that exactly what God wanted? God came to Moses and said, hey, I, I want the people to gather around the Mount Sinai. I, I want people to come and get around the mountain, and I'm going to speak, and I want them to see my presence there on the mountain. Now, let me tell you, let me encourage you this morning. Here's the reality. God in heaven wants heaven full. He is not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to be in heaven for all of eternity. That's his desire, his heart. He doesn't want to turn anyone away. He doesn't want anyone to turn themselves away by going their own way. God's heart is just what we see here. I want the people to come near. But the problem is, in our sin, we cannot do that. Here he says, 
gather the people, cleanse them, help them to be sanctified. And that's what verse 10 says. There's a similar warning today, friend. You see, God in heaven wants every human being to be prepared to meet Him. To be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. His imminent return. He wants us to be ready to go with Jesus Christ back to heaven. Every, every single person. But there's a problem. Now, now can I tell you, I've had problems when we've gone on trips before. I, there, there's been issues, problems. One of the worst, as I mentioned earlier, is if, okay, we're all ready. Where are the keys? Sunday morning, we're ready. We've got to go. Hey, if, you're, if you have a young family, probably the worst thing you can hear, uh-oh, I smell something. That means one of the babies has done their business. As you're walking out the door, I think the devil may induce that, but we won't go there. Something goes wrong. There's a problem that prevents that, that, that stops that journey from being ready in a sense. Can I tell you, we have a problem today that prevents you and I, every person alive really, from entering the presence of God. See, Adam and Eve were separated from the presence of God. Sin separated them. Our problem today is that we are sinners, each one of us. We are sinner by birth and sinner by choice. We cannot be in the presence of God because of that problem. Sin separated Adam and Eve, the the first humans from God, and sin has separated every human that's been born ever since. We've been separated from God. No one is exempt from it. Our familiar verse, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, speaks of this separation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're separated from the glory. Our sin separates us from who God is, His perfect holiness. Just like Israel not being able to approach the mountain, representing God's presence until they were sanctified, set apart from their sin and to holiness, so every person falls short is unable to approach a sinless and perfect God, thereby second. Oh, there we go. No. Yep. Hang on one second. We're going to switch batteries. Technology is the friend of everyone. When it works. So hang on there, those live streaming. Don't walk away, please. We'll get here in a second. Okay, I think we should be good, Brother Dave. Good? All right, fantastic. All right, as we were saying, and uh, understanding where we are, uh, the fact is this, in our own sinfulness and our lack of holiness, we fall short, we're unable to approach God, let alone gain heaven. But God wants us there. See, he wants, as he said to the nation of Israel, I want you to gather near. I want you to come near the Mount of Sinai. But our sin separates us from God. In fact, it will do so for all of eternity unless something's done about it. We might put it this way. We can never enter into his presence until we are cleansed and sanctified. Until we like the Jews, as God said, okay, listen, Moses, you tell them, three days I'm coming. Now I'm going to appear on the Mount Sinai. My presence will be evident and obvious. I'm going to reveal myself to them, and I want them to be ready, sanctified, and prepared. May I tell you, each one of us needs to be sanctified and cleansed and prepared for Christ's return. That's the call, even from heaven, as we might put it that way. See, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is the cost of my sin and yours. It is the reality that that we are are going to suffer death. That's what sin causes. What kind of death is it? Well, Paul writes of death, and he means a spiritual death. What is spiritual death? Well, it's the separation of my soul from God for all of eternity. As we pay the debt for our sins. That is what every person is, shall we say, destined or doomed to. I will be separated from God for all of eternity unless I'm sanctified, I'm cleansed, and I, I can't do that of myself. I, I have no capabilities of making my sin, myself sin-free. The only way I can pay for my sins or atone for my sin is by spending all of eternity separated from God. 
And my friend, no one wants that. God doesn't want that. But you see the the verse? Paul says there is a gift that comes from God. There's a gift. It's called eternal life. It's true living in the presence of God for all of eternity. You probably all heard the verse. Most of you could quote it. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, that's that spiritual death, but have everlasting life. That's life in heaven with Him. And then one of my favorite, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth, He demonstrated, He showed His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, in that statement, while we were yet sinners, this is what it means. While you and I were a citizen of hell, while you and I, if we took our last breath, would end up in hell for all of eternity, while we were yet sinners, what happened? Christ died for us. He paid the penalty on the cross of Calvary to cleanse us, to sanctify us as we put our faith and trust in Him. Literally, this verse is telling you, wait a minute, now there's a means of sanctification. There's a means through Christ's perfect death on the cross, the sinless dying for the sinful, paying our debt and making heaven available to all through faith. So if I were to say this morning, or someone were to ask me, they say, hey, what's the first step for us getting ready for Christ's soon, imminent return when he's coming back in the clouds to meet us, as we read in Thessalonians there, what's the first step for getting ready? Well, the first step in getting ready for Christ's soon return is to trust in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for your sins today. You maybe make a list when you're going on a trip and you say, okay, what's the very first thing we got? What's the thing we've got to take care of? My friend, can I tell you spiritually, this is it. This is the most important. Be prepared. Be ready. Be sanctified. Be washed. Be cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary for you. You say, how do I do that? Okay, I see it. I need to be, I, I need to be sanctified. I need to be cleansed. And I, I don't want to miss. Boy, can I tell you one of the worst things to do is ever miss a flight. Amen? And it's terrible. I remember on a mission trip coming back, one of my wonderful teenagers got separated at New York. They went out the out or the, the the door leading out, and they weren't supposed to. We were supposed to stay in the airport, so we had to go all the. Oh, bet I, I bet we about missed the flight. Myself and him and my wife and the other ones about made it. Uh, there's nothing worse than thinking you're going to miss a flight. But I'll tell you that pales in comparison to think this: you miss out on heaven for all of eternity. You don't want to miss on Jesus Christ's return. You don't want to miss out on the presence of God for all of eternity being there. So how do I do that? How do I ensure that happens? Praise the Lord. It's very simple according to Scriptures. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, great promise in Scripture, thou shalt be saved. It's a promise. Here's how you're sanctified. Here's how you're cleansed to be ready to enter into the very presence of God. Now, understand, Israel had to choose to obey God's word. Moses comes, okay, we got to get sanctified. We got to wash our clothes. We got to get ready for God's presence. You know, there could have been some Israelites that said, no, not going to do it. I'll have plenty of time. He said three days, but it's probably going to be five or seven. He said, we gotta, I don't see why we've got to do all that. I think there's another way. That, you know what? I took a shower last week. That's good enough. I went in the Red Sea, I'm cleansed, I'm fine. See, isn't it amazing? It still required obedience on their part. And my friend, in order for you to be in the presence of God for all eternity, it takes obedience in heeding this verse. Accepting by faith. It's not a work on your part. It's not a deed or a doing. But my friend, it is trusting in Jesus Christ by faith. In obedient faith. You see... They had to choose to get cleansed, to get sanctified, to be ready to meet God. And you must do the same before it's too late. See, when you talk about the departures, there's a time for departure. The day is approaching. So the impetus is on us to obey God's Word and to trust in Christ. And you can do that by praying to God and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone, as this verse says. Now listen to me. There have been times in our family where I've threatened my children, if you're not out in two minutes, I'm leaving without you. 
been school days, been maybe even a Sunday, I'm not sure, but I know there's been some school days where I've said, listen, hey, if you're not out there, I'm leaving without you. If you're not ready to go at the time we've told you, I'm leaving without you. Now, I don't know if I've ever done that. I think I may have on a school day before, but I don't know if I've ever done that. But there is the impetus. Can I tell you, there are stories in the Bible telling us to be ready, be prepared. And if you're not ready, if you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, friend, the reality is you will die and spend eternity in hell. You'll miss it. But a God in heaven who is full of mercy and love for every human being has said, no, no, listen, I don't want you to not be ready. I want you to be ready. And you do that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See, the moment death takes you and you enter into eternity, it will be too late to get ready. The moment death takes you and you enter into eternity, your last breath here on earth, it will be too late to get ready. I like how one preacher described it. This is the truth. He says this, even now, the raging waters of God's wrath are furiously pounding against the dam of his mercy. In one of these days, the dam of God's mercy will give way to God's judgment and the day of the Lord will come. Mark it down, write it down. There is coming a time wherein it will be too late. My friend, if you're watching via live stream and you're here this morning, the simple reality is you need to be ready. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You don't want to be caught not ready to go. Will you be ready? Will it be too late? There have been other times and situations in our family where <laughs> my kids have gone out ahead of me, where I'm helping maybe another kid, and I'm getting some things left and, uh, that we left in the house, getting those out to the car, and, or maybe for school, or whatever the case may be. And I come out, and we have two cars. And I, I remember there's been a couple times that my kids have been in the wrong car. They've gotten all their stuff loaded in, and they went out. And I'm like, they didn't even ask, and so this is going to be funny. So I hop in the right car, start it up. You talk about Chinese fire drill. You talk about craziness coming out of there. No offense to any Chinese. Okay. You, you, talk about, you talk about people that are going crazy. I'm telling you, these kids jump out of there flinging. What, Dad? We didn't know it was that car. And they're flinging doors open trying to get in. Yeah, I tell you, you better make sure this morning you're not in the wrong car. You say, well, what do you mean? Why, what could be a wrong car? Well, I'll tell you right now. If you think you're getting to heaven through your good works, you're in the wrong car. If you think that you are getting to heaven by, by going to church when you can, you're in the wrong car. If you think you're going to get to heaven because you've given to good causes and your good outweighs your bad, you're in the wrong car. If this morning you've bought into some wrong doctrine, you've bought into some popular thinking that everybody's going to end up in heaven regardless, you're in the wrong car. The Bible makes it exceedingly clear that there is only one way to heaven, and that's through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've got to be ready, friend. You've got to put your faith and trust in Him alone. So be ready. Can I just encourage you? We're talking about, okay, how do I be ready right now? What, what does it mean to be ready right now? Number one, be saved. Trust in Jesus Christ. Don't delay. Don't wait. Right now, as you're at home or you're here, you can pray this moment and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God will hear your prayer. And if it's from a sincere heart, no matter what the words you say, if you're truly trusting in Him and putting your faith, God has promised, thou shalt be saved. What a great promise. But may I encourage you, now Christian, listen up. But being ready for His presence just starts with being saved. Trusting in Jesus Christ gets us into heaven. It's going to usher us into the presence of God, and that's wonderful. But as I have trusted in Christ, now even more so, I am intentional and I am focused upon being ready to meet Him face to face. I want to be ready to go. I, I, I want to have uh, be ready in every sense of the statement. I don't want to be ashamed of how I have lived this life that he redeemed. 
this new creature that he has made me, I, this new life, I don't, I don't want to disappoint him. And the New Testament gives us many ways, and we'll look at at least three that says, okay, you need to be ready. Turn with me to Titus, Titus chapter 3. All the way across the, the Scriptures, if you'll turn with me to Titus chapter 3, Paul writing here, and uh, we'll turn together, Titus chapter number 3, we'll look at the beginning of the chapter, verse number 1, in fact, and notice this statement. Okay? So we're talking about, okay, how can I be ready right now? If we've already put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you haven't done that, do that today. But then, how am I to be ready right now? What, what's my responsibility for getting ready right now? Look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 1. It says this, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and notice this statement, to be ready to every good work. In Romans chapter 12, where we were this morning for Sunday school, Pastor Aaron's great challenge, this is, verse number one, the presenting of our bodies a living sacrifice. To be ready to every good work. Okay, now listen, I've been redeemed. I know I'm going to go into the presence of God. Can I encourage you what those Israelites were consumed with the next three days? I'm going to sanctify myself. I'm going to make sure I'm washed. We need to set those bounds. I need to take care and get ready for going into the very presence of God. And my friend, you and I as believers, if we trust in Christ, we need to think, okay, what is it that I need to get ready at? It's really, truly simple. Don't move, don't miss this. Like in Romans chapter 12, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. We prove and do what the will of God is. You know, here's reality. When we go on a trip, and as we're packing our bags, we're getting packed, we only put in those bags what's going to be of use and benefit for us where we're going. You see, if in the winter that, that you decide to go to a ski resort in a cold place and it's in the middle of winter and you're going to go there, you typically shouldn't pack your tennis racket, your golf clubs, snorkeling gear. Why? Because that's useless. That's pointless. That, that's a waste of space and baggage and effort and energy. Don't miss it today, Christian. If I'm getting ready in all the wrong ways for where I am going, it's a waste. If I'm packing my bags with things that are useless and pointless for where I'm going, it is a waste. If in the middle of summer I'm going to some lake or I, I'm going to, uh, to an oceanside, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to pack all my winter clothes, my gloves and my ski mask and everything else. That might scare some people there. I'm not going to pack my sled and my snow ski. No, no. Why? Because that's pointless. That's, that's a waste. So may I ask you this, believer? What's in your bags that you have packed for heaven? What's in your bags? What have you loaded your life up with? What is it that you have put in and invested and, and turned your energy into to say, okay, listen, I'm going to enter the very presence of God. What do I want to bring with me? What do I want to bring with me? What is it that I've been, worked this whole life to take with me to enter the very presence of God? And what have you invested the majority of your time and money? What are your bags for heaven full of? Let's put it pointedly are they full of things that are going to fade away things that will fall away once the trumpet sounds or are they good works that will be of importance and value in heaven what is it what have you loaded your bags down with you know when we go on a trip sometimes one of my kids will come out with two or three bags full I'm like what do you have in those and they'll bring everything 38 stuffed animals, their top 10 favorite games, something that I haven't seen they didn't even know they owned. <laughs> like, what are you bringing that? That's, not, that's pointless. That's not going to help. That's not going to do anything. You know, I fear some of us are going to get to heaven. God's going to look at the bags of our lives. He's going to say, what were you doing? Why do you got that? Why is that there? Why did you bring that? Why did you invest time and energy and effort in that? Paul elsewhere describes it as what? Wood, hay, stubble. Worthless. Unimportant. Un unvaluable. See, this is what being ready right now means for today. I evaluate and I make sure that I'm loading my bags correctly. I'm living my life so that, wait, what I'm taking with me to heaven is going to be of value in heaven. It's going to be the thing that, that is of most important. 
I have to ask my question, what, uh, how I've loaded my bags today, what I've done, will it last into heaven in eternity? I, I like this, forgive me, and I, Holy Spirit, <laughs> help uh, give an illustration. In studying history and things, I always found it amazing that, that explorers and adventurers, wherever it was around the world, that when they were heading to new civilizations or, or, or those civilizations that weren't far as advanced as others, you know what? They wouldn't take gold and everything else to trade, something that we would think of as a value. Often they'd take junk. Trinkets and little things to, because those people are like, oh, this is awesome. This is wonderful. So they would load their bags with what would seem worthless to a civilized, a civilized civilization, a culture, and yet they'd load their bags and they'd go to the, the Indians and others and other places around the world. And it's like, wow, such great treasures. Now, I would tell you, there's some in this world that would look at the bags that you packed for heaven and say, boy, that's worthless. That's unimportant here. But you'll get to heaven, my friend, and God will say that is of great value. Those are treasures that, that far outshine and outweigh anything this world could offer. Don't let the, value, don't let the earth value your bags. Let God do it. My friend, what are you packing today? Be ready to every good work. Be ready, Christian. We could say that this is the sanctifying ourselves on the outside. Showing ourselves in good works to be loading our bags for heaven. Now, now turn with me, 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3, if you will. Uh, number 1, be ready to every good work. And then we come here to the 1 Peter chapter number 3, just over a few pages. Look at verse number 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Number two, be ready always to give an answer. Now, there's a lot to this. There's a lot incorporated according to this verse in that. So number one, be ready unto every good work. Make sure you're packing your bags well. Number two, be ready to always give an answer. He, he speaks of a, a hope. Be ready to give an answer the reason of the hope that lieth within you. That hope that Peter writes of is Christ's return. We notice that. But notice, don't miss it, what precipitates us being ready and able to give an answer to speak of our hope. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now that is synonymous with sanctifying your hearts. Because if you sanctify God in your hearts, you're going to sanctify your heart. You're going to set it apart unto God. So uh, understand that certainly is encompassing of this thought. And really the challenge for you and I is this, am I sanctifying my heart? It is good that we are sanctified on the outside through good works, but it must flow from a sanctified heart. When he says in your hearts, let's not forget in the New Testament, this word often encompasses two things, your thoughts, which is your mind, but also your feelings and affections, which is the heart, as we kind of separate it. What we would call our heart and our mind. That's what he's speaking of here. Your mind, your thoughts are to be sanctified through the renewing of your mind, as we heard in Sunday school, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. So my mind is to be sanctified, set apart. God is supposed to be set apart in my mind through the renewing of my mind. Filling our mind with the Word of God. Literally, the mind of God, His will, as it's revealed in the pages of Scripture. That's sanctifying our minds. The thought aspect of it. Notice what Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 say. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are, are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things and don't miss it he says okay get your thinking right sanctify the lord god in your hearts and here it means minds too the thought the area of our body and our our soul where we think where we process things get that right and notice what he says in verse 9 those things which you have both learned and received and heard literally you could throw in there from the verse 8 and thought about you've seen in me now what do them those things you do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's a great little formula, isn't it? He just says, think on these things, and as you think and you learn them and you, you, you inculcate them into your life and your philosophy and who you are, as you do that, then you do them, and guess what flows from doing? 
the peace of God. It flows. Very similar to what we heard here in Sunday school. The reality, man, is I obey and I do. God's just going to give me what I need. He's going to take care of me, direct and guide in that. See, you've got to think about good things before you do them. And so you fill your mind with the things of the Lord. Now let me ask you, are you preparing for heaven by sanctifying your mind? Are you thinking about those things that are going to help you and prepare you for heaven? Are, are you really thinking about things that are true and honest and just and a good report, all these things, pure and lovely? Are you thinking, is that what you set apart in your mind or do we sometimes get our mind in the gutter of this world and allow it to affect us and, and certainly impact us in a negative way? And incorporated in this is also sanctifying your heart, your feelings and affections and how do you do that? Well, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says what? Set your affections on things above. So set your feelings and your affections, your loves, your desires on things above. You turn your heart to God and the things of God and not the things of this world and this earth. It is literally saying, wait a minute, I'm not going to live for this world. I'm not going to value what this world values, but I'm going to look to heaven. I'm going to make sure that my heart and my affections are on a set of things above. That's how I sanctify the Lord God in my heart and sanctify my heart. See, this uh, uh, must be done. Well, actually, we'll go back here in a second. But this must be done uh, as part of being ready for Christ's return. It enables us. How does he put it? Now, don't miss this. He says, if you sanctify your hearts, literally your heart and your mind, your thinking, your feelings, your affections, as you prepare for heaven in that way, he says then in turn, it enables us to be ready to tell others of the imminent return and of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for our sins, the gospel that opened up heaven's door for all people. I like how one preacher said of this sanctifying our heart's command here. He says this, now don't miss it, be real. When Peter writes, says, sanctify the Lord in your hearts, he's saying be real before you can be ready. Be real before you can be ready because here's what I know. It's well stated. When you are real as a Christian, what happens? Others take notice. And questions come. They're going to ask you questions like, you know, what makes you so different? Why is it that you aren't worried about catastrophes and epidemics? We might know a little bit about that. Why isn't this doesn't get you all worked up? Why aren't you all so concerned? Why haven't you gone crazy? Why isn't your cart full of toilet paper? Uh, why are you just freaking out over all these things? Oh, they'll ask us, maybe, why don't you seem to live like this life is all there is? Why don't you live for today? Why don't you do the things that other people around you are doing? Why is it? Why don't you do that? And the Bible says if you're real, people are going to ask you, and then in turn, as you sanctify your heart and your mind, you'll be ready to give an answer of the hope that lieth within you. You'll be prepared to say, listen, let me tell you why. Don't miss this thought. It is good to have hope. Most people don't have it, but all people want it. It's good to have hope. Most people don't have it, but all people want it. And my friend, God says this is where you and I come in as we're getting ready to enter the very presence of God. You want to be ready for Christ's soon return, Christian? Sanctify your heart, literally your heart and mind. Be real and then be ready and open your mouth to speak of the hope that you have in Christ. Listen, God in heaven, Christ did not leave us here to hide our salvation in the ground, but to proclaim it to others. So be ready. Number one, be ready to every good work. Number two, be ready to always give an answer. And how I do that is I sanctify my hearts in preparation for what God has. And then last but not least, number three, look at it with me. Hebrews chapter 10. You've already seen it if you caught my faux pas there. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse number 25. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 25. The last passage we'll look at um, here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one, or, one another, notice it, and so much the more, notice the last statement, as you see the day approaching. Now I want to challenge you, number three, be ready through assembling and exhorting. You say, Pastor Henry, what in the world are you preaching about this when we can't come to church? Those via life, you know, what are you talking about? Listen, hey, I get it. 
okay? We understand the heart and the spirit to be here is there. And one day, I trust, things will go back to normal or pseudo-normal. And we can come to church, and this will be an appropriate truth there. And I want you to understand, it is all about the heart. Notice what he says here. I love this statement. What does he say? So much the more. So much the more. Not forsaking the assembling of the church, the bride, the local expression and assembly of the family of God. Exhorting one another, realizing I have a responsibility to, to exhort Pastor Aaron, he and me, everybody who's part of the church, I have a responsibility so much the more. May I tell you this, and don't miss this. As we get closer to Christ's return, we ought to be meeting more, not less. We, we ought to be interested in saying, wait a minute, more, something's going on at the church. I want to get there, and I want to be around God's people because the day's coming very soon that I'm going to be around God's people for all of eternity. So I want that to be the hub. I want that to be the place where I go to. I want to get more involved. We ought not to be looking for excuses to not get together, but looking for chances to get together as God's family. So much the more exhorting one another, encouraging, provoking unto righteousness and good deeds, building one another up in the faith, striving to sharpen one another through God's Spirit, God's Word, and the gifts of God given to each one of us. So much the more. Would you just say that with me, that simple statement, those here in the auditorium, if you're at home, the person next to you who's sleeping on the couch, just give them a little nudge. Let's say that together. So much the more. Here we go. Ready? So much the more. Now, that isn't some simple or silly elementary recitation exercise. Let me ask you this. Is your affection and love and desire towards meeting with the church so much the more because Christ could come back any day? As we see the day approaching. May I just throw out something? It ought to be less about my bowling club and more about God's family. And I'll be less about my sports team and more about God's family. And I'll be less about this and this and this and this of this world and more about God's family. It's not that we turn our backs on that. It's not that we just shut that down. What I simply mean is the Bible tells us so much the more as we see the day approaching. So it demands three questions. Question number one. So with him writing that, is Christ coming closer rather than farther away? Because if he says that, so much more seeing the day approaching. It sounds like he's saying, hey, the day's coming. It's closer that Christ returned. Uh, well, Paul answers that for us in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. It's closer. The resounding answer is yes. So that demands the next question, question number two. Do I personally believe that Christ could come at any moment? In the twinkling of an eye. The last trump, the last sound. Do I, you and God alone know your heart and mind. The Bible is full of prophecies and teaching, uh, teaching that tell us that Christ's return is imminent and soon at hand. I like what Adrian Rogers said. He put it this way. I've stopped looking at the signs and started listening for the shout. It's any time, man. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can come back any time? If it is, then so much the more ought to mean as much as anything. And ought to grip my heart and challenge me for what I am doing and how I am living. The answer in our heart and mind should be a resounding yes. Then we come to the last question because it's the only question. If these two are answered yes, here's reality. Here's the last question. Am I surrendered and committed to not forsaking the assembling of the church so much the more? So much the more. You see, if we truly believe that I'm closer to Christ's return than I was a month ago, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, whatever the case. Am I truly all about exhorting my brothers and sisters in Christ, ministering to the body of Christ, to the church, building it up, encouraging those of the brotherhood of faith so much the more? I'm telling you, what, what do I live for? I live so much the more to be ready for Christ's return. Or, as I suspect, there's many a Christian who is really so much the more about living my own life. 
there is something we were so much the more about. It'd be about fulfilling my own desires and my own wants and living life my way. Can we put it this way? There's a whole lot of people who probably could say, I'm doing life my way. And God says, with the day fast approaching, you ought to follow God's plan so much the more. Be ready. Christian, be ready. You know what my prayer is, and I apologize for going a little long, but most of us have nowhere else to be. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Hey, listen to me. One of my, one of my hopes, dreams, is this. I sure hope that when Christ comes back, it'll be a day that you and I are gathered in this auditorium. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I, I really do. I think that would be fantastic. And that we're all gathered at the church. Maybe we're singing and all of a sudden, okay, that was my impersonation. That's the best I can do. Okay, we're, we're going up. There's Christ. We're going to heaven. I mean, what a day that will be. And boy, man, that would be exciting. But so much more important than that is this. Upon his return, will he find me with my, pack, my bags packed with good works? The kind that will last for heaven. My heart and my mind sanctified and ready. And me more than ever being a giving, thriving, vital part of the local family of God. So you say, Pastor Henry, when, I, when we go on this invitation, what should I be asking myself? What should I have the Holy Spirit help me to answer my life? Simply this. Are you ready? Because God wants us to be ready. If you're listening, my friend, and you say, Pastor Henry, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. You need to get ready by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A simple prayer of faith. Christian, you ought to ask, what, what's in your bag? Am I ready into every good work? Am I ready to give an answer because I've sanctified my heart or my mind? Am I ready? Am I ready? through assembling and exhorting the brethren. Have I really said, oh, you know what? So much the more I need to be plugged in and used of God in doing what He's called me to do. My friend, I don't know where you are this morning, but I do know this. There is a God in heaven who wants every single one of us to be ready. Are you? Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We're grateful for the challenge that it has been to my own heart and life. And I trust each one here and listening via live streaming. Father, I pray that You would do what only You can. You would speak to us where we live, where we are at, what is going on in our lives and where we struggle, where we have faltered and failed and being ready. Lord, I don't know each heart and every life of the people that are listening and following along, but You do. Father, you know where we're at. You know where we haven't packed our bags correctly. Or, Father, where we haven't sanctified our hearts and our minds and are ready to give an answer. Father, where we have not been so much the more focused on the church and being together and provoking one another into good works and exhorting and encouraging. Father, smite our hearts this morning. And, Lord, I certainly pray that if there would be one watching here that has yet to put their faith and trust in Christ, Lord, may they do it this morning. May they realize their great need for putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be ready for when He returns. In just a moment, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we'll stand here. And certainly those via live streaming, I'd encourage you to at least keep your heads bowed and eyes closed.